if you understand who someone is, you can help them, you can think through things when we implement something. If someone has real resistance to change and I know who they are, I know how to sell the idea to them and hold their hand through it, right? And I think that's all about keeping people. It's that trust piece. Do I have their best intentions in the heart and can I help them get to where they want to go? You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sam here. In this episode of the Elevate podcast today, if you don't know my guest, I'd like you to get to know one of the industry's most humble leaders, Jodie Stainton. Jodie is, of course, the cover of our 2022 leadership issue. And as many of you already know, she's an accomplished leader in real estate as well as being one of, I think, the true thought leaders in the industry. And on top of all of that, just an amazing human. So Jodie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sam. Thanks for having me. That's a very kind intro. (laughs) Oh, well, it's awesome to have you. And I do mean every word. And hey, it's been a hectic year, but we made it. We have. We're here. We're at the end of the (laughs) fall. Yeah. How great is Only a few days to Christmas. Absolutely. If you could Use one word to describe 2022. What would it be? Oh, God. It's a roller coaster, I reckon. It's definitely a roller coaster. I've had really high highs and some low lows. That's probably what I'd say about it. But we're ending on a high. We're ending on a really big high, which is great. Yeah. Amazing. So we're going to delve a bit into your career over the years because you've had an amazing career in the real estate industry and you've worked for some amazing people or people that I also consider to be pretty up there in terms of people really shaping the industry. I would like to go right back in time, if that's okay with you. How did you get your start in real estate? Did you choose real estate or did real estate choose you? Well, I chose real estate and it rejected me. Then I chose real (laughs) estate again. (laughs) So how I actually got my start is kind of a funny story. I was working as a valuer And I really decided that valuing was going to be way too lonely. I couldn't talk to anyone. And I thought, I really just want to be in real estate. So I managed to get a job with a brand back in, oh God, 2001, I think it was 2000 or 2001. And I walked in and for the first week or so, no one really spoke to me. I was sort of a sales cadet sitting on the front. I'd come out of journalism. So I rewrote their website. And back then, websites weren't really a big thing, but I rewrote it. And anyway, the leader came to me and said, I think you've got a real, real longevity in real estate. I think you'll be great at it. I actually think you'll be great at property management. And I went, oh, what's property management? Like that sounds glamorous. And anyway, she talked me into going into property management. And I found out later, actually, there was a mass exodus. And my entire um, sales career (laughs) was derailed because they needed a bum on seat in property management that day. But I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, interesting. So talk to me about your first year in property management, like 2001. So that was a while ago. So very different to what property management is now 20 years on. It's funny. It's different, but it's the same, right? Because it's still the same people. It's tenants, it's owners, it's maintenance, it's properties. I feel like it's all the same. We're still trying to get the same outcomes, maybe just by different methods. And it's probably faster, obviously. But I was lucky enough to work in a business with really strong systems 
right from the start that I think were probably systems that aren't even used to this day, believe it or not. So she was so far advanced that it kind of helped my whole career. Yeah, amazing. And so from there, what happened? What was next? Well, very quickly, I realized that the leader wasn't going anywhere. And I already kind of had fallen in love and decided that this was going to be my career. And so within six months, I actually decided to leave. And it's funny because that leader's still in the business to today. (laughs) So it's one of those things where I just, you know, it was just a lucky thing. So I went on to Havigan Jackson in Clayfield and learned how the other half lived. Prior to that point, I'd grown up in housing commission, right? I didn't know what those homes in such an affluent area would look like. And I thought, wow, okay, this is going to be amazing. And then from there, probably the biggest thing that happened to me in terms of my career is once I left having in Jackson, I got into a place that was a financial services company and I started a property management division from scratch in financial services. So I got to learn the cycles of real estate, managed funds, broking, all about investment. And I think that really helped me in my career go forward after that. Yeah, amazing. And as I said in my intro, I've known you for quite a while. In fact, I had a Facebook anniversary come up today. It was the day that I think a few years back that we released Every Agent Has a Story, which I think was when I first met you. We'll just leave the link in the show notes for anyone that wants to kind of go back in time because I thought you had a pretty funny story that day. Yeah, hilarious. But you have worked for some amazing people in the industry. So I remember you were in Transform a couple of years ago and you talked about your time working with Mark McLeod. What was it like having him as a mentor? Well, he was through Ray White, obviously. And when I was working with Ben White, who was probably my real mentor during that time, but working with Mark and understanding data, how you can leverage it. Again, everywhere I've worked has given me a piece of the puzzle along the way that's helped me kind of fill in a missing gap. And I don't know whether that's by design. I don't think I'm that smart. So I think it's something that it's been very lucky that it's kind of happened that way. And look, I've worked with Joe and Oliveri. I've worked with Jason Rose, Ben White, Rob Honeycomb, Mark McLeod, absolutely, Peter Canfin, Andrew Coronas, Jody Ford. I mean, the list goes on in terms of the most amazing people in the industry that I've got to work with. And all of them have given me something that money can't buy. It's one of those things. Leadership is everything. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely learn a lot from your leaders. And I was going to ask you too, because it was sort of one of the things that left a big impact on me, I think, when you were at Ray White was meeting Professor Groisberg, or is it Dr. Groisberg? I, Professor. <laughs> yeah, Professor. What were some of the big lessons that you learned from him? What I love about Harvard and that entire time was it's all about the frameworks. In property management, we haven't really been taught at that level in terms of education. But when you can apply frameworks to things in business, it means you can apply frameworks to everything in your life and lots of part of business. You get to faster outcomes, I think, when you've got really great frameworks to work within. And that's probably the biggest thing that I learned from him. I love case study style learning. I think it's the way it's such a great way to learn and debate and see how everyone reacts. And I think there's a lot to that. So it was amazing spending that time with him. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like a bullet train going through your career at the moment because you've done so much in 20 years. But Coronas now, like, you know, I think that was such an interesting, I guess, move because you starting a business, starting other people's businesses. So lots of pressure. What was that time like? Look, it was amazing. I'd actually thought of that idea back in 2010 and I took it all the way to the board 
with Harcourts actually at the time, but it just wasn't the right timing. And when I look back, it wouldn't have worked back then for a whole host of reasons. The technology wasn't there. There was a lot of things that probably wouldn't have happened, but I could see that a whole heap of people were going out that they would be able to go out and work on their own and actually have their own business. So it was an idea that I had a really long time. So I was so grateful to Andrew because he just backed me on it and he let me run on it. And the thing is, there was nothing to go on, right? I didn't know how to put a franchise together. I didn't know how to help someone build their business, none of that. But I think the biggest thing that I learned was anytime you are starting something, I think you can spend so much time trying to prepare for it. I didn't. 11 days in, I got my first franchisee and we just built the plane as we went. And I think if I trying to do something new and trying to think through all of the things, you don't know all of the things and you'll probably go down wrong directions and things. Whereas if you just have faith that just get to this bit and stay 10% in front of what you need to be and just keep building it as you're going, it's a really hard thing to do, but that's probably the biggest thing I learned. And with Andrew, I was just so grateful that he backed me the whole way on it because he really did. And I'm very proud of it. I think it's a wonderful thing that we brought. I think in terms of the other things I learned, and this comes in property management, it's really handy. Our property managers are usually female. They are quite security conscious. They need to be secure. And what I learned was is property managers, they can sell, they can build business. There's lots of things they can do that we think that they can't because they're not salespeople. They actually can, but you've got to put every little building block of confidence in there as you go. And then all of a sudden it just builds, 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 and then they just fly. It's absolutely amazing. What you're describing then just reminds me of that whole, you don't know how close you are to success, but if you keep chipping away at it, everyone eventually sort of, well, wakes up and goes, oh, that was an overnight success, but really you've just been working really hard at it up to a point where everyone goes, oh, there you go. That's what's just happened. Yeah, it's one of those things where I just had to run, right? Because I didn't know. I didn't know. It's not like I had this grand plan and knew exactly what I was going to put in. I just had to run and make it work and be nimble enough to actually change things as we go. I relied a lot on the data that I was gathering as I was going through to try and figure out what levers should I be pulling and pushing and those sorts of things in order to do it. But it's one of those things I would say to you, if you've got a burning desire to do something, just jump in wholeheartedly, but don't let perfection get in the way of actually doing, right? This is one of those things you've just got to get in there and do it. Yeah. As Tony Robbins says, burn the boats. Well, he didn't say burn the boats. He said burn the boats, but I don't have a bleep sound effect (laughs) in the show. (laughs) I get it. Yes. So I guess for people listening to this, I'm sure that you learned a lot you know, number one, building a franchise and number two, growing a team that were building their own rent rolls. So what are a couple of things that, you know, let's just say I decided to build a rent roll and I'm sitting here at the moment with zero properties. What are some of the things that you would tell me to start looking at or start doing like some really practical advice? The first thing is, is you actually have to get over your fear of phone, just get on the phone. And even if it's just make sure you call people you haven't called for for a while, but get on the phone and make sure you get really clear with that. Work out where your lead sources are going to come from. So what I tell my team is go on to realestate.com and see every agent in the area that's sold in the area and book an appointment with them because they will actually refer to you. And there's lots of reasons around that. So do that. Obviously get your social media, just have a LinkedIn page, have a Facebook page, et cetera, that kind of thing. Just make sure that all aligns and it is who you are. 
because there will be social proof around that. For me, how I help them is I get them some data. I get them on the phone. I do the first phone calls. I'm Steve or I'm Jane, whatever, whoever I'm with, I actually do it with them. And I think that's the biggest point. You can't just expect people to be able to do this. Help them get the first one, watch them do it, critique it, and then let them go. Honestly, that's the best thing to do. Yeah, I imagine that's really confidence building, actually. I remember being in sales, not real estate sales, but I remember being in sales back in the day and nobody did that with me. I was so scared. And it's natural. If you haven't done it before, it's one of those things and you'll find a whole heap of reasons not to. And it's also, I really dislike it when someone says, oh, you need to make 20 call connects a day, right? But they have no idea where they're even getting the data from, let alone making the call. So we've got to really hold hands to get to a point because if you don't know where the data is coming from, they don't know where the data is coming from. They'll spend the next two weeks just trying to find data. Whereas we can figure that stuff out pretty quickly. It's just about holding the hand. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about investors for a moment and just through the lens of, you know, somebody growing their rent roll. I mean, investors have got a lot of pain points at the moment and we'll get onto them in a second. But what do you find is the main thing or the key thing that you think you know, if you're a BDM or if you were responsible for the growth of a rent roll, what is the key pain point that you were finding investors would have with property management companies right now? Like what's the one thing that they really want solved? Maintenance is a major one, but that is a byproduct of issues around the one point of contact, someone that I really trust to be able to help me make the best decisions for my property going forward. So the one thing is actually that one point of contact but it often surfaces in maintenance. When I started at Coronas, actually, and I did the same thing when I started just recently at Harcourts, I downloaded all of the Google reviews and went, what is our key issues? And it always comes out at maintenance, but it's because they get different people calling them. They don't know that they don't trust that we're not taking money from the maintenance contractors that we're actually following through. That's the biggest issue. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of people writing that one down right now. So thank you very much. That's a great answer. And I mean, look, it's probably made even trickier lately too with how busy trades and things have been. Do you see any light at the end of that tunnel? No, I actually don't. And I understand it is more difficult at the moment, but that's why education and trust is actually the two key important factors there. And often maintenance is dealt with by maybe a junior in the office And it's funny because it's such a key pain point. I was doing a call yesterday with with a new BDM and we had it as an open so she could actually hear the call and I was doing it. And it was all around maintenance. The whole reason why this owner wanted to leave was because she didn't feel that the maintenance was being taken care of properly. So this is one of those things that comes up so often, but it's often given to a junior in the business. So you might have a pod structure where you've got a senior leader and you've got someone working with them and often they're charged with the maintenance aspect. And yet actually it's our biggest pain point. We need to, as a senior, understand, well, which are the points that are likely to upset an owner? Is this under $200 or is it over? Whatever it is, that's the key there is to really think about the impact to the owner and who's delivering that message. Yeah. Now, you just mentioned your new role, and I do want to congratulate you on becoming a director with Harcourt's Solutions just recently, actually. I only just met some of the other directors at Harcourt Solutions at Elite Retreat, so Firstly, congratulations. Thank you. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's great. When I said before about talking about leaders, looking at a leadership bench is really, really important for me. And I have always followed great leaders. And when you look at Martin Millard, you look at 
Brendan Whips and you look at Etienne, they all have such strengths. You know, Martin started this business 15 years ago. He's incredible. He's so intuitive around people. It's incredible. Brendan's got the head of Australia for elders. And then he was the CEO of Queensland for Harcourts. And then Etienne had the number one business over in South Africa. So joining such a strong leadership bench, you know, my journey continues in terms of mentorship. Amazing. So this is a question that I always ask people that have come into a new leadership role, you know, when Matt LaHood joined the agency and like a whole host of other leaders. So in America, when someone's elected president, they have to give a speech talking about what they'll do in the first 100 days. So I don't know if you've had 100 days or not yet, but taking that theme a little bit, what are your goals for your first 90 days in this new role? I haven't been in 90 days yet, but my first goals were to build rapport and trust with our people. For me, was just such a key. Any leadership change inspires a lot of what's in it for me. How is this going to affect me from them? So it was one of those things where I just really wanted to understand who they are, what's really important to them, what their career aspirations are, how can I help them, what blocks do they have, how can we remove some of the blocks and just, you know, so that for me was really key. The second thing was to really start to look at our growth engine. What does it actually look like? Where are lead sources coming from? What's the leakage look like? The great news is, like in any business, there is lots of leakage. So there's huge amounts of opportunity, which is fantastic. And then probably another key thing, and this is what everyone has been sort of fighting over this last period, really the last 24 months, is how do we stop the losses? What levers do we need to pull in in order to stop the losses? So that's all around customer service, retention and growth. So I'm probably analysing all of that to get to the plan in order to actually go forward from there is probably where I'm at. So we just completed the strategy plan the other day. So I've been in eight weeks and now I'll do the step plan for it and then we go from there. Amazing. And so you just touched on what I think is one of the big pain points for a lot of people in the industry, which is people. I mean, I sort of don't feel like any business is immune to it at the moment. And we know that keeping people is a way lower cost than trying to find new people all the time. How do you really keep your good people? And how would you look at attracting new good people into the business? I think keeping good people is all about understanding who they are. It's such a simple thing to say, but it really is. If you understand who someone is, you can help them. You can think through things when we implement something. If someone has real resistance to change and I know who they are, I know how to sell the idea to them and hold their hand through it, right? And I think that's all about keeping people. It's that trust piece. Do I have their best intentions in the heart? And can I help them get to where they want to go? So that for me is what's really important there. I actually had two resignations in my first week and I managed to turn it around by having those kinds of conversations and they're still here. So (laughs) good news, right? So for me, it's all about genuine care. Just care about them, love them and understand who they are. That is probably the first thing. In terms of attracting new people, I think people need trust in order to move. The foundational thing is trust and then it's, is this going to make my life better is kind of what attracts me to the first place. And then trust that that is actually real. So they're the two things that I'm focused on. What does it look like for us? Growth is the lifeblood of any agency. We have very big growth plans. So this is what the growth looks like. This is where we're going to have opportunity for you. But also these are all the things we've done. And this is how I'm going to hold your hand through it and give you trust that this is actually going to happen. And I think that is really important. I think it's lucky in some ways that 
people do sort of know me, if that makes sense. So, I mean, not everyone, obviously, but if you're the sort of person that helps others, you're in the forums, you're giving advice, you're on things like this sort of podcast, working with your suppliers, you know, all of those things come to a trust point of view. And I think that builds profile and that helps you attract people. Yeah, it's kind of the bedrock of everything really, trust, whether it's bringing in new clients or whether it's bringing in new team members or anything like that. It is. It's everything. And how you demonstrate that and how it's shown when you're not there is probably the two things that I think is the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about property management in general, because we're sort of heading into 2023. Well, I mean, there's less than eight weeks as we stand here. I think this will probably get released in a few weeks' time to coincide with the cover of the magazine. But we're dealing in, I think, is that word again, from 2020, unprecedented times in property management with supply being so low and investors, well, leaving you know, the government's obviously trying to turn that around with this budget and things like that. But how do you see the industry in 2023? Like what challenges will you be keeping an eye on that you're really going to want to not overcome because something like the supply crisis can't be overcome like the snap of the fingers? But what are some of the things that you're really thinking hard about right now? So there's obviously some legislation changes to come. The minimum housing standards come in Queensland next year. So that will be another phase of the legislations that has happened. I think there's new technology coming to the market that is going to potentially rapidly change the game. So that's interesting. And then I think we're still the hangover of how people feel. I think that's probably the biggest thing I know with my team. It's really interesting. I came into this position, clearly a business owner for the first time, so excited. I'm like, let's go, let's go. They're coming to the end of the longest year possible. They've had a change of leadership. They've had COVID, they had the floods, that so much has happened to them and they're kind of limping into Christmas and yet I'm like, yay, let's go. So I think being cognizant, I guess there will be like our energy levels, I think is something that I've got to really try to match and help and think through when their energy is going to dip and how do I get them to an elite retreat or something to get them back up. So they're the things that I guess I'm thinking about. Growth, I do think investors are coming back to the market and I think that in Brisbane at least, we're going to really benefit from that. And really, for us, it's all about growth. So if my growth plans come off, I will need to employ someone once every two months. So it's going to be about growth and retention for me. Yeah. What about technology? Because I know you're a bit of a closet nerd like me. There are a couple of technology things that you're looking at for the new year that you believe will either make you more productive or run a better business or something like that. Yeah. I am looking at Trustless. It's one of those things where Colmeo and Alo. I'm really interested to see how they continue their journeys. They're both really at similar paths, doing really good things. I do think that those two companies will change the game. So that's something that I'm really watching. Probably the other thing is things like Propic in terms of the AI piece. That's something that I'm sort of looking at implementing there. I haven't decided yet actually on whether I put in any kind of VAs. That's something that I'm sort of half thinking about, but I do think that we have to grow our own now. I think it's one of the things where we have to make sure that we've got entry-level positions for people so that we can bring them through. So they're the sort of things in terms of technology or innovation as to what I'm looking at. Yeah, I've been looking at AI a lot in our business lately too. And it's an interesting conversation because I was playing with a word processor the other day that was like Google Docs, but had AI built into it. 
And I was wondering if I'd be redundant soon, but I don't think so. In any case, it's just really awesome to use. And look, it'll get better over time. Everyone asks me, you know, what do you think the future holds and will property managers be redundant? I got up on stage in 2013 and said that that was going to happen and I really felt like it was and I went into technology and yet what I realised is most people can't even get past the passwords. (laughs) So it's sort of one of those things where I do think we have time and I also think property management is such a complex role. It's not linear like something like Google is. You put in a thing and there's an answer there because it might be that we put in a thing and the person that had the answer yesterday today is really upset and has a completely different answer. So it's very dependent on people at this stage. And so I can't really see technology yet. So it's really interesting, but I've kind of swung the other way now. Yeah, I feel a bit comforted that GPT-3 doesn't know anything beyond mid-2021. So I'm still (laughs) ahead. (laughs) Absolutely. You are. (laughs) Anyway, the other question I want to ask you is about legacy, actually, because, you know, when I met you, you were working for Harcourts and then you've sort of had quite a journey since then and now you're back at Harcourts which clearly means that this industry is so small what advice would you give people about building relationships in different groups working with the best leaders at some point you're going to leave the best leader and the problem is is that burning those relationships is the antichrist of your career right <laughs> like the antichrist of growth in your career making sure that you leave on the best possible terms, do the right thing, don't take the management, don't take the team members. I have been lucky when I've moved, I've usually moved not into an adjacent thing. It's usually in a different thing. So when I left Harcourts, for example, in property management, I ended up working in tech. When I left tech, I worked at building a franchise. So I'm not working with competitors and going, you know, I'm in yellow and then I go straight across the road into blue type thing. I've been lucky that's not been my career. But what I would say to you is that your integrity is just so important. Your reputation is so important. And leaving great leaders, the last thing you want to do is burn those bridges. And it's not for the thing if it comes back to you, but it does come back to you. But it's not for that reason. It's just to have that integrity and your reputation is everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's amazing advice. Now, I normally end with a question and we'll still end with that one, but I'm ending with two questions at the moment in the podcast because we are coming closer to Christmas. So my second last question to you is this, Santa, the big fella in the red suit, if you still believe in Santa, I mean, I try to. I do. I absolutely do. Christmas is amazing. Do they still believe in Santa? Yes. Well, one now knows and the other one doesn't. So that's, yes. (laughs) So one's been sworn to absolute secrecy. Yes. Okay. So if you were to ask the big fella in red for a gift for the industry, what would it be? Oh, wow. It would be real leadership, real leadership in property management that really helped property managers move their lives forward. That would be the thing that I think as an industry, it would mean that our customer service satisfaction scores would increase, our processes would increase, our investment in technology would increase. There's so many things that would happen if we had the leaders in the industry genuinely about property management. That's probably what I would ask. Yeah. Do you think it's just a cultural thing or is it a money thing? Would we be delivering property managers better salaries as well? Would we be asking the big fella in red for that too? We would be. Yeah. You know, it's funny. And I know we talked about this the other day where someone asked me, how are we going to deal with the salary increases? And almost as a negative question, 
And I said, well, with the average wage being 91000 and with our property managers being on an average of about seventy, they are asking for 80, 90 now, but it's still around that seventy to 75000 Wouldn't we want more than average people actually looking after our biggest assets in our real estate? So it's one of those things. But I think that is a byproduct of real leadership because if you've got real leadership in, for example, in our business, we're reorienting all of our KPIs away from routine inspections and maintenance and those sorts of things to revenue and growth and net gain and customer satisfaction scores and team happiness, loyalty around how long have you been here for? We're reorienting everything you're learning. You know, what have you actually taken on this year to learn and against your career plan? That's what we're reorienting everything to. That then means that I can reorient their bonuses and things to that. And they can earn more because if they're helping the business grow, why can't they take more of it? So that I think comes from being so invested in property management. You know what I mean? I just live and breathe it. Yeah. This year I've been a tenant. I've been a landlord. I've been a buyer. I haven't been a seller this year. But I do think that as a tenant, your experience as a tenant is different to your experience on the sales side. And it does impact the brand. And I think I wished for this a few years ago, but a bit tighter integration maybe. It's a huge, huge thing that we're working on in our business. It's a really interesting thing. We had a spring into action competition, right? And we realized we'd done all of the barrel, like who's going to win it every week in front of the sales team. We actually hadn't taken it to the property management team. So we took it to the property management team. We've made sure we've got our all-ins again, you know, everyone coming to the meetings. We're just reintegrating and making sure that the stairs between our business upstairs and downstairs is not the great divide. I think every business to a degree suffers from this. But if we can bring these businesses together, and that for me is my focus or our focus, actually, it changes the game. Yeah, it'd be phenomenal. Okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for joining me on the podcast today and being so generous with your knowledge. As I said in the intro, it's not often that we get someone with your years of experience and your insights and some of the people that you've been mentored by. So thank you for that. If there was one final piece of advice or one thing that you would like everyone to take away, what would it be? Really invest in your own career, right? Really think about what you want from your career and think about the leaders that you're working with and find that leader that can help you get to where you want to go. I think that's probably the biggest thing I think you can do for yourself. And that would probably be the main thing. I love this quote, though. This is my favorite quote, and this is something that I live by. The hand that is dealt you represents determinism. The way that you play it is free will, right? So just keep that thing of, okay, this is what's in front of me. Like this is what's happened, but how I react and what I do is the most important thing and that's going to determine the outcome. Yeah, that's absolute gold. Jodie Stainton, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinelitagent.com.